Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Well, like Adam said, uh, my name is Devin, um, and I am so excited that you guys are here. I just wanted to welcome you um, to the house. I'm glad that you chose to come to church today. Come on, you could have been doing a lot of stuff on a summer Sunday, um, but you decided to be um, in the house. Uh, Me and my wife, Sydney, we get to lead the next generation here um, at the church, and so we are super excited about that. But I think one of my favorite things is not just that we get um, to invest into young people, and to see them kind of grow and step into all that God has, has for them. But I think one of my favorite things is that we don't have to do it alone. Um, is that not only do we have teams that help us in our um, environments, but also like each one of you um, are a part of investing in the next generation. Um, and I care about that a little bit more now that I have a one-year-old son, Malachi, who's over there in the baby's room right now. Um, and I don't have to be the only one who has to raise him. Come on, because sometimes, you know, he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's crying. And if you want to be on that rotation to come and help out, uh, we're taking applications. You can just talk to Sydney after service. Um, But no, I I am grateful um, that we're a part of a church that um, sees value and invests in the next generation. Uh, When you came in, you probably saw all these tubs in the foyer and you're probably thinking, what is that for? Uh, Or during serve day, uh, we had a team of people just pack all these tubs full of school supplies and Kleenex and all these different things um, that teachers would need um, at Joe Mathias Elementary. And this week we're going to go and we're going to bless those teachers with that um, because not every kid brings every um, thing that they need for school. I know like when I was a kid, I had a notebook and a pen. And once I lost that, it was over. Like I'm not getting anything else. Um, And so like we don't want these teachers to have to come out of pocket to be able to teach these kids. We wanted to bless them. Um, We wanted to turn money into ministry. And that's what I love about the house is that when I give, I know that it's not just going back into my pocket or into Pastor Stevens, or I know that Adam isn't going to get a new Rolex. Come on, but we are turning money um, into ministry and investing um, in the next generation. Um, And as I'm talking about the next generation, um, you know, I got to put my plugs in there. So I am the youth leader here. Um, And so if you are a young person, come on, you can make some more noise than that for the youth group. Come on. Um, But if you're a young person here, you're 12 to 18, um, every Sunday night we meet at 6.30. Um, And I get it. I get what it's like to be a teenager. I remember the awkwardness and the bumps popping up on my face. And I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from. And not not really wanting to go into a new place and meet new people. Um, And here's what I can promise you is that at our youth group, um, I can't promise you that it's going to be easy for you to come. You're going to have to overcome some stuff and decide to step in. But once you get there, come on, we're going to love you. Come on, we're going to see you for who you are. Come on, there's no cool kid tables at our youth group. If there is, I'll just stand on top of it and make it immediately uncool. Um, and so this is a place where you can come. It's a safe place for you to come and discover your purpose and ask questions about faith. And so if you're a young person and you're not uh, plugged into our youth group, I want to invite you to come tonight. Uh, we're going to be hanging out. Come on, we usually go to Andy's afterwards, and I'll buy you some ice cream. So if you don't come for anything else, come for the ice cream. Because now don't everybody come, like 50 people come, and I'm like, okay, we're going to have to talk. Um, I'm going to have to spread out the ice creams. But um, come and just see what it's like. You may love it. Um, you may not, but I, I'm guaranteeing that you're going to come in and feel loved. That's what uh, we can do. Um, and so as we um, get into what I'm talking about today, um, I get the opportunity to continue um, this breakthrough series. Um, and so Adam kicked it off last week. Come on, he did such a great job. Uh, he was talking about how, come on, you can put your hands together for him. Come on now. He preached it. Um, he talked about how the breakthrough um, sets you up for the battle. 
Um, and it stepped on my toes a little bit because I'm not a fighter. I don't like to battle. I like to just go home and chill. You know, I don't like to battle. Um, he talked about how, you know, when, whenever um, you step into a battle, that doesn't mean that, like, God is forsaking you or that you've done something wrong. It just means that you're taking more territory. And anytime you try to take more territory, come on, something is going to come um, against you. It's not always going to just be rainbows and unicorns. Um, it's going to be some fight in that. And so he did such a great job. If you didn't um, get a chance to hear that, um, I want to encourage you, go back and listen to it on the podcast um, because it was just really, really powerful. Uh, where I Today, uh, my assignment is the beginning of a breakthrough. Um, we're going to talk about the beginning of a breakthrough. I feel like these last this last month or so, um, I've been really working through uh, what it looks like to have a breakthrough. I've been needing some breakthrough. And Adam came into the office a few weeks ago, and he was like, bro, I got it. We're going to do a series. Come on, Stephen's having us preach. We're going to talk about breakthrough. And I was like, okay, can you do both of them? Because... I really am in the middle of trying to figure out a breakthrough. Um, but I think that in the midst of getting this ready and just living life and studying and trying to figure out uh, what God was going to have me talk about, um, I believe that God really started to show me what it, what it looks like um, in the beginning of a breakthrough. So I'm going to pray, um, and then we're going to get started. God, I thank you for... Um, Every person um, who's here today, God, I, I pray that um, as I'm speaking, God, that you would move me out of the way um, and that your spirit would speak through me. God, I'm praying that whatever issues we came to church with today, um, God, that we will remember that you um, see us and you love us and you want us to leave better than we came. God, open our ears, open our hearts um, to what you want to do. And God, ultimately, um, allow us to see authentic transformation happen um, here today. We love you and we thank you for what you're getting ready to do. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I get started, I just wanted to know, is there anybody here um, other than me that needs a breakthrough in their life? Come on, it could be financial, it could be relational, come on, it could be in your marriage. Come on, is there anybody um, who needs a breakthrough? And I'm not talking about you just need something to be fixed. I'm talking about like you need this to happen in order for you to move forward and to go into what God has called you um, to be. Well, I think there's a, um, well, I know there's a Bible story of a man um, who also needed a breakthrough. Um, and it's in John chapter 5. Um, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6 really quickly. Um, and it's a story of the man that was paralyzed at a pool um, at Bethesda. And so it says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. So Jesus was on his way to get his party on, okay? Um, now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five co covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time. I've not, I've, that's like twice my age almost. I'm not that good at math, but yeah, that's a long time. Um, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? We're just going to stop right there for a second because I feel like if I was the man who had been laying down for 38 years, I would have an issue with someone coming up and asking me if I want to get well. That's like if I sat through two church services and right after church someone is like, are you hungry? Yes, I'm hungry. <laughs> I want to eat. Like I've been in this condition for 38 years. I've been laying here. I'm paralyzed. I cannot move. Of course, I want to get well. Um, and so I had to ask myself, why would Jesus... Um, ask him that. And I started to think about my own life. And like I said, the last month or so, I really needed some breakthrough. And I was praying like, God, I need this situation to change. I need something to change. 
Um, and I started to realize that every time I pray for breakthrough, I pray that for something, for a situation to change, but I never pray for myself to change. And so I believe that Jesus wasn't asking them just like, do you want to feel better? He was asking them, do you want to be well? And there's a difference because in order to get well, there's something that you have to do. Like you can eat some candy and feel better, but it doesn't make you well. But in order for you to get well, there's a step that you're going to have to take. And I was thinking about this story, um, and it brought me back to the glory days, okay? Sixth grade football. <laughs> Come on. I was an East Nagdish Eagle. I'm telling you, I was a stud. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to put that out there. Like, you can tell from my physique right now that I was just a killer, okay? <laughs> now, the truth is, is that I was about four foot nine. Come on. About, about 75 pounds. Pure muscle, pure intimidation. And I actually, I had to wait two weeks before I could start playing because they couldn't find shoulder pads that were small enough for me. But I needed a large helmet. So, like, I get on the field, and I'm looking like a bobblehead. <laughs> but I'm telling you, when people looked at me, they just, the fear of the Lord came over them. I'm telling you, <laughs> I was a beast. But I, I started, the reason why I signed up, I'm going to be honest, the reason why I signed up for football is because all my friends did it. We were in PE one day, and the coach started talking about how we were going to have a team, and all of them were signing up. And I didn't really want to, but all my friends were doing it, so I was like, you know what? It can't be that bad. I played Madden before. It can't be that much worse than that. So I signed up, and immediately, like, when practices started, I realized, like, I like being on the team, but I did not like playing football because we had to do conditioning, and so we were just running, and I was like, I don't really like to run. And then we went to the weight room, and I definitely did not like the weight room. Like, I was the kid that, like, when the coach looked away and when he turned around, I really only had did, did like, two reps, but I was, like, counting them like they were my last. I was like, oh, nine, ten, is he looking? Okay, I'm done. Like, I did not like being an actual football player. Even though I wanted to be really good at it, I just didn't like the work that it took. And I remember they used to do this thing on Fridays that they said um, was fun. Like, they would put, like, all the sixth grade team versus the eighth grade team, okay? And I played safety. And basically, like, I realized now that, like, in sixth grade, most kids don't make it to the safety. So the coach put me back there so I didn't have to do anything, right? But when we played the eighth graders, there was this dude named Adam Walker. And I, I still want to see his birth certificate because I know he wasn't a real eighth grader. He had to be, like, this had to be, like, his third time in eighth grade because this dude was big, right? And so one day we were practicing, and he was just running over everybody. And I'm the type, like, I'm not really scared, but I'm also, like, kind of smart. So I'm like, I see that you are, like, 150. I'm, like, 50. So I'm not going, like, that's not going to work out, the momentum. I, like, I'm kind of smart. I can get it. So when he would run past me, I would just pretend to, like, miss him. And, and the coach would be like, Devin, why aren't you trying to tackle him? No, I'm, tr I'm trying. He's like, no. Like, I can tell that you aren't trying. He was like, this next time, if you don't tackle him, I'm kicking you off the team. Right. And I was like, OK, I don't want to get kicked off the team. I kind of like going to the pep rallies and having the jersey and whatnot. So I'm going to try to tackle him. OK. And so, of course, he runs right down the middle and uh, he's coming at me. And I'm like, this is my moment. I'm about to crush him. And I just had this moment of just having like a lot of confidence in myself for no reason. And so I go to tackle him. And the next thing I know, I'm laying on my back and I'm just looking at the sky and I'm regretting. And I know you thought this was going to have a good ending, like I was going to tackle him and crush him. No, like actually it ended with me in the hospital because I broke my collarbone and I never played football again after that. I was just like, I'm not doing that. We do two-hand touch. That's all I'm doing, <laughs> right? But as I was laying on the hospital bed and I was getting diagnosed with a broken collarbone and they were telling me how I was going to be like six weeks of recovery and I was thankful because that means that the season would be over by the time I was healthy. 
I was thinking about all the times I could have lifted weights, but I, I didn't. I was thinking about all the times where I could have just been doing my conditioning and getting strong and getting ready to tackle this eighth grader. But I decided that even though I wanted to be a good football player, I didn't want to do the work it took to make me better. And I feel like that's a, the place that we're at a lot of times with breakthroughs. It's like I, want, I really want to be a great husband. I really want to have a great marriage. I really want to have great finances. I really want to have this great spiritual life. But I'm not willing to take the steps um, that it takes to make me into what I feel like I'm called to be. I also started to think about this time not too long ago where some guys in our church convinced me or manipulated me um, into working out with them, like going to this boot camp. And immediately when I heard boot camp, I was like, okay, like I don't want to do that. But for some reason, we were at a marriage life group and all the other guys were saying they were going to do it again. So I was just like, okay, in manliness, I got to step up. And I was like, yeah, I will be there. Six o'clock in the morning, we're going to work out. It's going to be great. And we got there, and one of the days was like this workout where you have to do 110 push-ups, 110 sit-ups, and run like a long, a lot in like less than 30 minutes. And so we did it, and afterwards, I really wanted to go up to Chris, who is like our coach. Um, I wanted to tell him, hey, man, I just want to let you know, like moving forward, like here are a couple workouts that are on my I don't do list. (laughs) Like I don't like push-ups. I don't do them. Can you tell? I don't do curls. He gave us this 20-pound sandbag, and he was like, yeah, take this everywhere with you. I was like, no, I don't need that. I don't want that. Like, that's extra baggage that you're trying to put on me. You're the enemy. Jesus has set me free. I'm not going to carry that with me. Amen. Come on. I, I didn't want to do I don't want to press it over my head. I don't do upper body. Like, I, I started to tell him all the things that I wouldn't do in order to get stronger. I don't know. Is there anybody here who has something they just don't do? Like, you just have the one thing, like, I'm not going to do that. Like, for me, gas station bathrooms, on my I don't do list. (laughs) Like, we just drove back from Louisiana on Thursday, seven hours. I didn't step in one gas station bathroom. I will hold it. If we had a 24-hour trip and you told me that the only place was going to be is to go to gas stations, I would literally let my liver explode before I go to a gas station bathroom. I would rather meet Jesus than to be in a gas station bathroom. So I'm just not going to do it. And a lot of times we have things that we are just not going to do when it comes to our breakthrough. Um, and I was starting to realize this about myself these last few weeks of like, hey, I really want things to change, but I, I don't know if I want to change. Come on. And so I started to think about where does, where does breakthrough begin? And I feel like there's three places um, where breakthrough begins. Um, and the first place is that breakthrough begins where my excuses end. Breakthrough begins where my excuses end. Um, so many times we go to Jesus and we want something to change, but then we have all these reasons why they can't change. Of like, oh, I would be better at this, but you remember like my dad left. Or all these situations and circumstances are stopping me from being the man of God or the woman of God who you've called me to be. Um, and I was thinking about all the excuses we make, um, and I started to think about how I'm not really like a detailed person. Like if you tell me a story, I just want to know like, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And hopefully, like, there's a funny part in there somewhere. Like, I'm, like don't go down 52 rabbit trails while talking to me because I'm, I'm not paying attention anymore. I'm thinking about something else. When Cindy comes home and she wants to tell me a story, I'm just like, okay. Like, in my head, I have a mental clock that is ticking. And I'm like, all right, this story is getting long. And we started off talking about this. We were talking about A. Then we went to B. Now we on letter X. And I don't even know how we got there between 
So what is the point of the story? I'm not like a detailed per- person. And when people are telling me stories and they, they start to tell all these extra details that I do not n- need to know, I just want to scream like, hey, I did not ask you that. I didn't ask for any of the details, but I can't do that because I try to be a nice person and be a Christian. And uh, you can't really do that to people because that's how people stop liking you. And I, w- I want to pick up in the story right after Jesus asks this man, does he want to be well? Um, because he doesn't even answer Jesus' question. Um, in John chapter 5, verse 7, this is what the man says back to Jesus. He says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. See, instantly he begins to tell Jesus, who wants to change his life, he begins to tell Jesus, who's unlimited in his power and in his resources, he begins to tell Jesus all of about all of his limits. Uh, like, I would have been well already, but there's I don't have anybody. There's nobody to put me in. And when I try to get in, someone always gets in before me. And, and I wonder, I know Jesus wasn't thinking this, but if I was there, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, hey, bro, Jesus didn't ask you any of that. He just asked you, do you want to be well? And so many times Jesus is just asking us, hey, do you want to be well? Do you want that relationship to be restored? Do you want to be better? Do you want to ha- do you want to be on fire for me? Do you want to have a great relationship with your wife or your husband? And we have all these excuses of why we can't do it. And here's the thing. Here's the truth about excuses um, is a lot of times they're valid. Like everything this man said was valid. Like there was no one to put him in. And every time he did try to get in, someone got in before him. And so th- it was very factual. But I think what Jesus is trying to get us to see and what he's been trying to get me to see is that sometimes, yes, facts are there and they're real, but he's real too. And having faith in him can overcome some facts sometimes. Even though your situation doesn't look possible sometimes, if you'll just believe in Jesus, if you'll just believe in the power that he has, come on, he can help you um, to overcome. And so many times, come on, he wanted to blame the people. Come on, they're blocking my breakthrough. Every time I try to get in, they get in before me. But the thing is, no one can block your breakthrough because Jesus already came down and did everything you needed for in order to have breakthrough. Like he literally came down, lived the life of a servant, died, um, rose again so that you could have breakthrough. And so there's no people can block that. No one can block that off of your life. And we want to blame situations. If I if I would have just grew up in this neighborhood instead of this neighborhood or if I had parents like them or if my if my dad wouldn't have done this, then maybe my life would have worked out. But here's the thing. Uh, while, yes, your excuses are valid and some of those things are not your fault. There are some things that have happened in my life that I had no control over. But it is my responsibility to have breakthrough um, in my own life. So my breakthrough, I'm starting to realize, begins when my excuses end. The next place that my breakthrough can begin um, is when I claim what God has already paid for. Come on, when I can step into and I can claim what, what, what God has already done for me. And so many times we fall into like this beggar mentality of like, please, God, please, God, please, God, do this for me. And God is going up there. I've already done it. Do you want it? Do you want to take control of what I've already given you? Do you want to take ownership of it? So we'll pray for financial breakthrough. Right. Um, But we won't take ownership of the finances that we have. And I can just tell you that if you make two hundred dollars a week and you spend in two hundred and fifty dollars a week, then you won't have financial breakthrough. That's just like some practical help for you. And I was thinking about this week, um, my little brother is starting seventh grade, okay? And so he needed some school shoes. So I talked to Sydney, and we decided that while we were in Louisiana, we would take him to go get some shoes, okay? 
And I'm the type of shoe person that, like, I love sneakers. I think about them all the time. I have a list of shoes that I'm going to get that I'm just waiting to ask Sydney, can I get them? For when, like, I feel like there's been a grace period of the last time I bought shoes. Right now, I got about three more months before I can ask for another pair. And I already know that in my head. I got dates beside them. So I know, like, when I go into the shoe store, I'm not going there to talk to the guy. I don't need him to ask. I don't need his help finding the shoes. I don't need anything. I just need him to ring me up so I can go, right? But my little brother, Day-Day is what we call him, he is not like that at all. We go to Hibbit Sports, and they got the shoes on the wall, and this man has to go by and touch every shoe and look at every shoe and ask me would I get these for him. Would you give me these? Would you give me these? Would you give me these? Finally, I was like, look, bro, whatever ones you want, just grab them because I am about ready to go. And so, of course, being 12, he just goes and grabs, like, the most expensive pair of shoes they have, okay? And he brings them back, and I, like, look at the bottom to see the price tag, and I'm like, huh, all right, how am I going to spend this one? Because I'm, like, these shoes are more expensive than any shoes I have, and I'm definitely not getting that for a 12-year-old. So I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? So I told him, hey, here's the thing. I could buy these for you. No problem. I'll get them. Or we can go to shoe department, which their shoes are a little bit cheaper. I was like, we can get you two pair for the price of these. And he's 12, so he's like, yes, let's do that. I want two instead. So we go and do that, and we handle it, and it's, it's all good. I think he picked out a pair of girl shoes, but he's 12. So I was just like, it'll be all right. There was a lot of pink on him. I was just like, okay, bro, if that's what you want. Um, but the thing that was anno- annoying to me about the, about the trip was that every pair of shoes he had to ask me would I get those for him. He was like, hey, would you get these? Hey, would you get these? Hey, would you get these? I'm like, I'm not getting them all for you. But I already told you, like, I would pay for a pair. So you don't have to ask me that anymore. And so many times we come to God with our issue and our brokenness. And we say, hey, God, can you, can you fix this? Hey, would you fix this? Hey, would you please fix this? And God is up there going, hey, I already paid for it. I sent my son to die for you. I'm, I'm going to pay for it. The only thing is you have to claim it. Now, we could have spent all day in the shoe store with my brother, and if it was up to him, we would have. And he could have looked at every pair of shoes, and he could have asked me over and over, would I get them? But until we walked to the register, he didn't own any pairs of shoes. And that's the same way we would be, come on, if we don't claim what God has for us. If you've never seen a millionaire standing on the side of the road asking for spare change. Why? Because they already have access to money, just like you already have access to God. You already have access to the fullness. Come on, God says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in you. And all you have to do, once you can start claiming that, and once you can start speaking that, come on, you will realize that, hey, the breakthrough is already mine. Come on, I just got to claim it. And that's what I'm learning in this season of of life is just like, yes, the facts are there. And yes, um, it's true. And yes, sometimes life gets hard and it gets in the way. But the thing is, is that you can still claim what God has for you. And that's not being fake. It's not, it's not being phony. It's just speaking in faith what you want to see. Come on, faith is when you can speak to something that doesn't look possible um, and you can speak and say, hey, it is possible because my God um, says that it is. And I think the reason why we fail to claim stuff sometimes um, is because we confuse seasons and cycles. Um, here's the thing about a season. I can live in a tough season because I know that seasons have a start date and an end date. Like, we just moved into a camper together with Sydney and me and Malachi. (laughs) And we're going to be in this camper for 
for a little bit longer than I would like, but we're gonna, it's a season. Like we're going to be in there till October, and then we're going to be out. So I can deal with the smell of outside. Come on. I'm just not a camping type person. Like, why would I pretend to be homeless? Like, this, we got AC and all these nice things that God has given us. Why are we pretending like we don't? Like, let's not do that. Um, I can deal with the smell of river constantly. I can deal with all of it because I know that it's just a season. And you may be in here right now. You may be going through a hard moment. But I want to encourage you that it may just be a season. It may just be something that has a start date and an end date. And we all go through that. We go through dry seasons. We go through hard seasons. We go through seasons of feeling alone. But I want to caution you to make sure that you're not stuck in a cycle. Because here's the difference. A season can start and it can end. And when it ends, you're relieved of all the things. Come on, when winter ends, come on, I'm going to be so happy. It ain't even started yet and I'm already for it to be over. Okay. Because I know that once winter is over, come on, it's going to warm up a little bit. I can bust back out the shorts. Come on, I can put away the skinny jeans, and I can just be me. But when we're stuck in a cycle, it doesn't stop. When we're stuck in a cycle, it feels like things will never change. Come on, and some of us have been in cycles for 10, 15, 20 years. Come on, maybe you're in a cycle of um, not feeling good enough. And no matter where you go and no matter the people that you're around and you've been to every church in Northwest Arkansas and you feel like nobody cares for you, maybe it's just a cycle that you're stuck in. We can be in a, in a, in a cycle of depression. And here's what I would ca- caution you is that when I look at this man and he's been in the same spot for 38 years, I don't think that that's God's will for anyone. <laughs> I don't think that that's just a season. Come on. If summertime lasted 38 years, I like the sun. I'm from Louisiana. I like to, come on, I like it, but I don't like it 38 years worth. That's not a season. That's a cycle. And we have to be careful that we're not just living in a cycle and that we haven't just learned to live with something that God never intended for you to keep. So we got to ask ourselves, okay, is this just a season? Is this just a hard season or is this a cycle? For me, a lot of times the cycle comes up of things with my dad. Come on, when he left, and I didn't realize growing up, but now, like, that I have my own family and, my, and a son, I, feel, I realize that that caused some abandonment issues in me, and it caused me to feel like people are always have one foot out the door and one foot in. And so I, if I'm not careful, that cycle will lead all the decisions that I make. But I don't know about you, but I want to decide. I want to be the person that ends that cycle for my family. And I don't know if there's any cycles in your family. Maybe it's um, alcohol abuse or addiction or whatever it may be. But I want to be, come on, a group of people who say, you know what, we're going to put an end to the cycles because that's God's will for you. Jesus didn't die so that you can learn to live with the things that he died to take away. Come on. And so if we can learn to claim it, come on, our breakthrough um, can begin. And the last place where I feel like breakthrough begins, I believe that breakthrough begins when I get up, when I decide to get up. And I want to continue looking at the story. Um, It says in John chapter 5, verse 8 through 9, it says this this is Jesus talking back to the man after he's given all his excuses and all his good reasons that he can't be well. It says that Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And I want to talk about this for a little bit because before I was writing this sermon and before I started really like diving into like what would breakthrough look like in my life. I thought I knew the key already. Like if I could just pray that God would fix every situation and every person, then who? We talking about some breakthrough. Come on, if I wanted some breakthrough in my coworker relationships, whoo, 
Come on, if God could just fix Adam, I'm telling you. <laughs> if God could just make Adam exactly like me, bro, I'm telling you, breakthrough will happen. He's, he agrees. <laughs> if I want breakthrough in my finances, if God could just, you know, sprinkle a little extra money my way every now and then, you know, just out of nowhere, then I could really have financial breakthrough. If I want breakthrough in my marriage, if God, if I could just pray hard enough for God to just fix Sydney, uh, all y'all are like, oh, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> it's a joke, obviously. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. If God could just fix every situation, come on. If God could just fix everything around me, then I could really have breakthrough. But I don't think Jesus really um, see, sees breakthrough like that because he asked the man to get up. And there's always a part that we're going to have to pl- play. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that Jesus won't come meet you where you're at. In fact, Jesus was on his way to a party, and he stepped over everyone else to come right to this man because there's a such thing as grace. And even when you're down and you don't feel like you can get up, Jesus is still going to come meet you where you're at. But even in the meeting, come on, there's going to be a part where you're going to have to get up. You're going to have to decide um, to get up. And I want to look at um, verse 4, and I was reading this in NIV, and I realized, like, there is no verse 4. Like, they took the verse 4 out. So now I flip back to King James. Come on, because it's extra spiritual. They got the these and the thous and all the words I don't understand. Um, But if you look at verse 4, it starts to talk about there is this angel who would come down to Bethesda, and he would come to the pool, um, and he would stir the waters. And then the first person who would get in, that would be the person who would get the healing. And so that was what that is what the man was talking about when he said, hey, every time the pool is stirred, I try to get in, but somebody beats me. And I think so many times we do that same thing with our breakthrough of like if God could just come down and do a miracle, then I could have breakthrough. If God could just come down and fix my situation, then breakthrough will happen. And I'm not saying that miracles don't happen. In fact, I believe that they do and I believe that they're important and they build our faith. But if you are only living from miracle to miracle, and if you're only counting on that, then you're going to have a very shallow faith, and you're going to have a hard time having breakthrough. Because I believe God wants to change your situation, but even more so than that, he wants to change your heart, and he wants to change you. And so I switched my prayers from God, fix Sydney, or God, fix this situation, or God, just make Malachi sleep for 10 hours a night. That would be awesome. And to God, cre- creating me a new heart. Come on, creating me a pure heart and renewing me a steadfast spirit. God, make me into what you've called me to be. And when we can start to do that, I believe that we will start to see breakthrough happen in our lives. Because typically, I sit around and wait for God to come down and do something. And God is waiting for me to stand up and do something. Like, God already came down. Jesus already came and did everything he needed to do in order for us to step into breakthrough. So what if instead of asking God to change people or to fix it or to change them or to get people out of our way of our breakthrough, what if we just started to pray and ask God to change us? Like, God, I don't even need the situation to change. It can be the exact same. My circumstance can look the exact same tomorrow, but something's going to break in me because I know that even though you want to change the situation, you're really trying to get after my heart. And that's what I want to encourage you guys with today is that God wants to change your situation, but he wants to change your heart. Come on. He wants to change you from the inside to the out. And that's why Jesus didn't ask the man, hey, do you want to feel better? Because we all want to feel better. That's why we come to church. Like I, I like to come and lift my hands, and the AC is really nice in here, and gets me out of the camper for a little bit. <laughs> Everybody wants to feel better. 
But just like I didn't want to do what it took to be a great sixth grade football player, come on, I wanted to be on the cover of Madden just like everybody else. But I didn't want to put in the work. And sometimes we want to feel better, but we don't want to do what it takes to be well again. And some translations even say that Jesus asked him, do you want to be made whole? And that's the question I have for us today. Do you want to be made whole? Because if you do, we're going to have to realize that our excuses are going to have to stop. We're going to have to step up into what God has already given us and claim it. And then we're going to have to get up and take our mat. And here's the thing. I know that God wants to see breakthrough happen in our church. God is the God of breakthrough. If you've been in a hard season, if you've just been going through something really rough, if you've been in a cycle of something, I know that it's God's will to break that off of your life. But so many times we won't see it because we won't believe it can happen. Do you know how hard it had to be for this man to get up off his mat after 38 years? Like all the, I just think like all the thoughts that he had to be thinking. Like, man, I haven't walked in 38 years. Like, what if I get up and I don't know how anymore? Or what if I get up and then I'll fall back down? Or what if people see me and they think I'm weird? And you're going to have to ask all those same questions with your breakthrough. What are people going to think? Or what, what if it doesn't work out the same way? But all I can tell you is that you're going to have to step out on faith, that God is good, and he's going to do what he said that he would do. And we all have these different concepts and ideas of what we think breakthrough may look like. But to me, it just looks like getting up off your mat. There's another story in the Bible where Jesus was going through Samaria, and they have been walking a long time, which I'm like, Jesus, why you Jesus, why y'all just didn't teleport? But it's cool. And he got thirsty, and he stopped by this well, and there's a Samaritan woman. And Samaritan and Jews aren't really supposed to talk to each other like that. Um, and he asked her to give him something to drink. And she was like, but you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, so why would you ask me for something to drink? And he was like, hey, if you, if you knew who, who was asking you, you would have given me a drink already. And so then it continues on, and he says, I, I'm living water. And whoever drinks from this well, you're going to be thirsty again. But whoever, come on, tastes of everlasting water, you will never thirst again. And she still wasn't getting it. She was like, well, you don't even have a bucket. So how are you going to give me any water? He's like, no, like, you don't get it. Like, I am the water. I don't need a bucket. You don't need a bucket when you are the supply. Like, I don't need that because I want to give you everlasting life. And that's what God is wanting to speak to us today. It's not in a system Come on, it's not in a certain thing that's going to get us to breakthrough. It's in literally claiming and knowing who he is and that he is the source of breakthrough. And then she continued to talk, and she was like, well, some people say, like, we should worship on the mountain. And then the Jews say we should worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus was like, hey, like, just worship. Just worship me because of who I am. And if we'll just worship God because of who he is and because of the grace that he would even step over all of our issues and come right to where we're at in the midst of us being broken and being stuck. And sometimes I'm just hard headed. I'm not going to lie. There's been times where I've been praying for a breakthrough and I come to church every Sunday and I see other people have the breakthrough that I want. And maybe you're in that situation, too, where you've been praying for something to change. You've been praying for a healing. You've been praying to get pregnant. You've been praying for God to move in your life. And you've been praying for it. And you've been seeing other people get it. And it stings a little bit. But here's what I want to tell you, that your breakthrough is on the way. Like, it's coming. It's right around the corner. And I know you may feel like it's a cycle, but it's just a season because Jesus is coming. And he, he may be, you may feel like he's on his way to do something completely different. But he's going to make that turn for you because that's what grace does. 
He's going to come and he's going to find you and he's going to make sure that you have breakthrough in that area. We can't be people who get into this thought that nothing ever changes. This is why I like working with young people. It's something silly, but like this is why I really enjoy kids' church. Because little Billy, if he's five years old, his dog could have, be missing a leg, be sick with like three different diseases, and just got ran over by a car like yesterday. And little Billy going to come to kids' church, and when it's time for prayer requests, little Billy going to pray for his dog. He's going to pray that his neck get back right. He's going to pray that all his diseases go away. He's going to pray that the, that the car would unrun him over. Like, he's just going to pray insane prayers. And, like, I got, I got faith. But I'm like, little Billy, you got faith. Because little kids haven't learned that some stuff never changes. Like, they haven't gotten crusty like us. Like, they just have the ability to just believe whatever. Like, I go up to a kid right now and be like, I got $1,000 in my pocket. They'd be like, for real? Let me see. Like, what would it look like if we had a church of people who believe like that? I'm not talking about being silly or being goofy. What I'm talking about is, like, I know that this situation looks impossible, and I don't know what you're going to (laughs) do. But I know my God, and I know that he changes impossible to possible, and I know he takes things that no one else would even bet on. he, He goes to the places that are the worst. Like, God doesn't just want to heal, like, the not-so-bad parts of you. God wants to heal the very worst. Like, the thing that you don't want to tell anybody else, God wants to step into that and say, get up, take your mat, and walk. Will you guys stand up with me real quick? As I've been learning about breakthrough, here's one thing that I've been realizing. Like, Jesus made this man take his mat with him. And I always, like, when I read Bible stories, like, I always wonder about, like, those little details like that. Like, why did he have to take his mat? It probably had, like, a tan from where his body was at all the time. Like, it probably was disgusting. It's 38 years old. But Jesus wanted him to take his mat so that when he walked by other people, they would say, man, what you the dude that was on the mat 38 years? Man, my grandpa told me about you, man. That's crazy. What happened? And the man could turn to them and say, hey, I, I don't know. I was talking to this dude, Jesus. And he told me to get up and take my mat and walk. And all I know is, is that's what happened. And if you can get to the presence of Jesus, if you can just get to the feet of Jesus, then it can happen for you too. And here's what I'm here to tell you. I don't know how breakthrough happens in my life. But I know that Jesus can do it in you because he's done it in me. And so I want to pray over us. I want to pray that we would be a church of people who see breakthrough happen. And here's the thing. Breakthrough is not up to anybody else. I mean, we could get the best preachers in the world to come on this stage. Stephen could come up here and preach the craziest, best message you ever heard. Adam could come the next week, then I could follow it up. And Stephen Hill could come up here and sound like an angel. And you still wouldn't have breakthrough if you didn't decide that you were going to change. And so that's what I want to pray. Yes, God, change the situation, but change me first. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.